Hey, Danielle. Wait, you recently, okay, I'm going to talk about this now. You recently sort of changed your name on Facebook to, do you just say Yelly? Mm-hmm. Okay, so sh- should I call you Yelly now? You can call me whatever you'd like Okay, I'll, out of those two. <laughs> I'll probably slip up and call you Danielle sometimes, but but I'll, I'll try to call you Yelly. It's fine. It's more so, it's even um, strange for me, mm-hmm. for people who have always called me Danielle, to yeah. suddenly call me Yelly. So <laughs> I will always respond to Danielle because there's been 30 years of right being called that exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm not opposed to it. I just... Mm feel like it's a great time to um have a name that I like saying yeah it's really great it like I mean not that Danielle isn't a great name but also Yelly just has a different a different vibe exactly and it's nice to be able to like choose your name too yeah I mean (laughs) Danielle Taylor is a pretty standard (laughs) name (laughs) and not that I'm not standard but it's you know you are more like you are definitely more more than your name exactly you're more than your name so thanks mom and dad but you know <laughs> like, thanks time. but no thanks yeah. i don't kidding. want this anymore <laughs> um so i'm here with danielle slash yelly taylor however you know her or don't know her if you're meeting her for the first time through this podcast you should think of her as yelly because now she's yelly um um so Yelly. <laughs> I'm getting used to saying. Um, I always ask people, um, like, how did you first, get, and it's it's kind of a big question, but how did you first get into music, like, as a youngin? I got into music when I was in my mother's stomach. <laughs> okay. Dead serious. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because I grew up in church. Um, my grandfather was the pastor of my church, and my dad was the elder, and so we went to several church services on Sundays, but also throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad uh, plays electric guitar and electric bass. So I have a feeling that, I mean, I heard music in my mom's belly like so many times yeah. a week. <laughs> and I think, you know, she started going back to services when I was a month old. And it was four times a week for my entire mm-hmm. life. So there was no formal introduction. And, you know, if you were to go to most churches now you will see as as young as kids are if they're able to move um if they're able to stand Mm -hmm. even if they're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know they're either clapping or swaying or starting to sing along and you know by three or four you're just like singing the church songs and I joined the junior choir whenever I was old enough to make syllables that made sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and some that probably didn't make as much sense and that's fine it's not a thing they're like eventually you'll say the words and they'll be right um (laughs) so that was my long answer oh nice um well I I mean I think of you as a violist but you also play violin I was did you start on violin yes so I still it's little known uh secret that I play violin (laughs) so I started um in fourth grade in public school in Oakland and the story goes um that I was a really shy kid actually Mm. I was an extreme introvert and so um who didn't want to be cool in the fourth grade I mean I I still want to be cool and so (laughs) they asked everyone they gave us the worksheets or the little sheets with the instruments on it and Mm -hmm. pick your instrument and so 
I'm looking at it and I'm like the saxophone because that's when the saxophone was. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> the place to be. And so me thinking that I could outsmart the system, I wrote saxophone on all three options. And I was like, yes, <laughs> they have to give it to me. <laughs> they have no choice now. <laughs> they have no choice and I am going to be cool before I know it. Um, and then they came back and they said that class was full. Rude. And <laughs> so rude. And like all of my vision of like, cool just deflated <laughs> and I was hopeless no. <laughs> and they said you know we'll choose another one and I looked at all the pictures and literally the violin looked pretty mm-hmm. I don't know if I had ever even heard it in real life consciously and so I picked that right um having very little clue <laughs> what it like actually... what you were getting yourself <laughs> into <laughs> so for two years I took violin class at school that's how I started yeah and you know I hated it yeah <laughs> and like I was a really honest kid you know I had like the strict sense of morality but there was this one time where I thought that I should just say that my finger was hurt and that was like <laughs> me going on a moral like oh, a rampage shit. like I am going to tell this I'm lie. going to tell this lie <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing I, it <laughs> and I was convinced that it was going to happen and I was like oh my gosh I hope everything will but you know I'm sweating in class and I'm like <laughs> my finger hurts I can't go to music and so I think I'm safe and then the music teacher comes in she's like no no you can still sit in music class and you're like damn it <laughs> like, I took such a big risk to still end up in music class oh so my god it was a tumultuous oh beginning. man <laughs> okay okay and uh and how how, how did you and uh, you eventually sort of switched over to I mean you also play violin but you added viola mm-hmm. to your life you brought it into your your it circle became part of my blood flow um, <laughs> also accidentally so my I took private lessons and my teacher ran a summer camp every year Mm -hmm. and in the bay area it's actually quite common that violinists around 12 13 will pick up viola not necessarily switch but since chamber music is such a live scene there especially for young you know teenagers that they need violas it makes sense to like be able to double yeah so a lot of people doubled and it started at a summer camp and she says you're gonna start playing viola and I take viola class, and I kid you not, maybe I was 11. I was pretty miserable. And I looked <laughs> I looked miserable, but I wasn't going to tell the teacher. I just felt like, you know, this instrument is heinous. <laughs> Why does it exist? What is this clef? What are my fingers doing? Um, and my viola teacher, who is uh, the violist for the Alexander String Quartet, mm-hmm. um, he looked at me, I remember it was the last day of camp, and he said, you know, you're going to play viola when you're older. Like, you're going to be a violist. And yeah. I was like, Psh. You're like, uh, no. <laughs> like, you could not be more wrong, <laughs> sir. But I just sort of, like, looked at him with a blank stare. It's like, That's super not funny. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, I had to play it. I did chamber music a lot in high school. Mm-hmm. So I played viola exclusively. Wow. Um, and also in undergrad, almost exclusively viola. So it's actually very difficult for me to play violin and chamber music oh. um, because I don't understand the voicing right. and how it fits with other people. Viola is like, it go, we go way back. <laughs> you and Viola, you're like <laughs> so We go back to my teenage years. Um, so <laughs> I'm a lot more comfortable and I love the range. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, I was, you know, when I was at Avalok and we were talking about sort of like roles of, of the viola, like in the string quartet. And it's, 
somebody was like saying how it's sort of the wild card how it like you know sometimes it's sort of like pairing with you know pairing in sort of a a lower voice kind of thing with the cello or or it's like doing an inner voice thing or like it's it is so versatile you never you never know what the viola is gonna do it's just like (laughs) always up to some mischief (laughs) it just like adds the depth i mean the cello has its own depth but but it's the viola is the special sauce i think i think you know and i actually have a hard time falling in love with like piano trios yeah for that reason I'm yeah like, there's a hole there's a huge hole. yeah exactly <laughs> where is where it is that? and that's why i knew when i was violist and i started being like uh yeah no no no, no. yeah no, no no that's really funny <laughs> <laughs> well i'm I, you, like it feels to me like you're like your essence it seems very violist so yeah. um uh so i wanted to ask you also about um you know, one of the things that you say in, in your bio is that you have a variety of, of research interests. And I know you, you kind of do your own. Re- I mean, you're you're working on a degree program in, in performance, correct? Yes, um, but you sort of do a lot of your own like research into things. I know that you're you're very motivated to just uh, educate yourself on anything that you're interested in. And um, I guess uh so, like, to quote your bio, you said oh that some of your research interests. I ho- I hope this is still applicable. I don't know when you wrote this bio. I don't know either. <laughs> which I'm waiting <laughs> to see what I wrote. Gosh. But um, you mentioned some of your research interests include uh, uh, classical music performers and composers from the African diaspora, as well as investigating issues of race, place, and power in classical music performance and education in the U.S. That is still accurate. I mean, I mean, I figured. I, I figured. That's my impression is that that is still accurate. Um, I was wondering if you would be willing to talk about some ways in which, um, like, some more like recent research that you've been more interested in doing, and how you've been sort of like applying that to um, how you approach performance and how you approach education, because I know you also teach all the time. Um, Wow. I know that's sort of a big question. <laughs> well, um, I will say that probably since I wrote that bio, I uh, began working for uh, Rachel Barton Pines Foundation, um, mm-hmm. and they have a new series coming out called Music by Black Composers. Mm-hmm. So I am a content researcher and writer for some of the articles that will be uh, published within that volume. Mm-hmm. Now, to give uh, a quick rundown it's uh for the last i don't know 10 years maybe at least they've gone around the planet trying to find um pieces by composers of the african diaspora and they found hundreds yeah since the 1600s and they're compiling the violin music into volumes um that are parallel to the suzuki volumes and it'll be one through ten um and so it's been a really it's it's taken so many hours and so much manpower so that's her project yeah and so I'm writing articles that will be really interesting for you know kids to read so my first one was about uh the history of black orchestras in the U.S. right and they go back to the 1830s yeah so for me it's really about most of the things that I'm interested in is how does this particular subject Um, relate to society now and what are the threads that relate from you know that society whatever it was present in Mm -hmm. and the one now and what can we learn from um, the mistakes or the you know uh, the complications or the great things um, that tie these things together so yeah yeah that's awesome. That's really that's really exciting because I I actually did like you know look at the the music by Black composers project website 
mm-hmm. little bit and I was like, oh, this sounds really exciting. I just like, I feel like there's more to come and <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot to come and I, f- you know, the world is in such a fractured state. I don't yeah. think it's more fractured than before. It's I think just it's like now people are fractured. like, oh, and people are noticing it. <laughs> yeah. People are like, you know, oh my gosh, that is a, you know, what is like a canyon <laughs> yeah. you know, that we we thought was maybe like a crack on the sidewalk. It's like, oh, yeah. no, it has, it's like it's been, been a canyon. Been that way. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's like four year, four, 400 years ago, it was like a crack in the sidewalk. Um, and it's great that people, you know, it's not great. It's, <laughs> I'm glad that people are realizing that. Yeah. Um, but There's so now so we're much- dealing with the fractures. What do we do? Do we like put a bandaid on it? Do we investigate why the fracture happened? Do we put a splint? Do we actually try to make sure that it heals, the bone heals in place? You know, there's a lot of different ways that people are addressing this. And for me, it's through research and understanding how history plays into the present, whether we like it or not, whether it makes us comfortable or not, but really taking a look at what we the truth We just have means. to, like, know it and, like, even if that, like, hurts or, or is scary or something, it's yeah. just important for people to, like know and understand yeah because i feel like that's how we got to where we are is just by like ignoring the uncomfortable things and just like ignoring that tiny crack (laughs) and i feel like that's how it turned into a canyon yeah um but um yeah that's really exciting um but uh i also want to ask you about decomposed i was super upset that i could (laughs) not come to the performance on it was september 28th right i believe so oh my god <laughs> can so, you okay yeah just i yeah just tell so how did how did it go first that, of all <laughs> it went really really well um it was very stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> as these things are when you're planning mm-hmm. you know any type of concert but i think for me there was um a greater investment than perhaps like the average gig or quartet concert. Oh yeah. Um, it took research. Uh, we played, um, lyric for strings by George Walker. We mm. played the second string quartet by Florence Price. Um, we played dances to Panama by William Grant still. And also, um, strum by Jesse Montgomery, who's a New York based composer who was really fantastic. And so envisioning a program of all black composers and how, you know, we can talk about history and how we can talk about identity within the music and people can hear those changes from the early 19th century or early 20th century to now. Mm -hmm. And also having a space that is really inviting to, um, anybody from any community, right? How do you make it intentional um, and saying we are celebrating this, we're celebrating us, we're celebrating you, we're celebrating, you know, these composers and not have it be like a stuffy classical concert because it's so easy to default to that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I had to plan very carefully, you know. Yeah, How do people feel welcome? And for me, my, um, what I was going off of is church. Church is like the most welcoming place. Well, we hope. I mean, that's, I feel like that's the goal. (laughs) It's the most intentionally communal space where you're supposed to come and leave feeling uplifted. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, And this was, my impression is that this is the first of many. Yes, it is the first of many. We are planning another uh, concert for sometime in January. (laughs) And so I'm very excited. Yeah. So it's not it's 
easy to pull out, um, you know, to pull out Mozart quartets or Brahms quartets, but to have uh, concerts that are full of uh, black composers and, you know, it take, it's more intentional. It takes a bit more research. It takes, you know, learning the music, right? Because, like, who hasn't played whatever Mozart quartet or Beethoven, Opus right. 18, number one. So, like, yeah. people have to learn it in advance and kind of actually have the opportunity to say what we think about it because yeah. there is no consensus about how to play, you know, the range of black music that exists within the, within the classical world. So, yeah, lots yeah. of things go into it. I feel like there's my, – my impression would be, you know, just having come up in, like, personally having come up in sort of the traditional, like, classical music conservatory atmosphere where music by black composers just honestly isn't like at the fore at all i mean like at the f not at the fore is like a nice way of putting it yeah. like it's just, it's, it's like just not even not a side there note. it's not yeah. even there and i feel like that almost it it makes it we come up in this um this environment where it's so much about like tradition and like this is the way that we play things and then to have this whole ton of music that's out there that we just like don't know about and people don't have it's all of a sudden you're approaching this music with like everybody has fresh eyes you mm -hmm. know and so I I would think that that would be sort of a challenge of approaching this music is like oh there isn't this huge like oh like this is the way you play this this is the way you play that piece um, exactly um, which is daunting and and exciting I, w I would think um, yeah it's stylistically, you know, um, taking risks and hearing things um, because all of the people in the quartet are also, you know, uh, black and saying, like, what are the messages, like, cultural and, like, oral markers that we can hear in this piece and how do we express that, you know, yeah. because a lot of the classical composers were mixing um, you know, idioms, different idioms like blues and jazz and classical and whatever else. And so how do we make this make sense? Um, because it's not, you know, I don't, I don't know, it's not as common in the like traditional Western composers. Yeah. I mean, there are some kind of interesting <laughs> <laughs> pieces that are supposed to imitate this style and that, but to yeah. hear it from the people themselves, um, you know, is refreshing and also yeah like how do we do this yeah that's really cool um I'm so excited for when you guys do it again in January um and uh, wait so also uh w why is it called decomposed D it's d dash like the letter d dash composed for anybody who hasn't seen it yeah um for various reasons so <laughs> uh, so the my partner um in this project Corey Coleman she said Let's call it decompose. And I was like, yes. <laughs> but that has a very uh, <laughs> particular image. Right. And so, right. you know, the name was there and I felt like, oh, my gosh, this is such a good name. But I don't know how to, like, bring life to it. And for me personally, when I think of decompose, obviously compose is its own category. Right. But decomposing, what's decomposing is this idea that... Um, classical music belongs to or is written by a certain group of people right yeah. so that's decomposing <laughs> yeah yeah actively naturally yeah. whatever the case is <laughs> yeah. okay yeah that makes sense so yeah <laughs> I, I'm waiting for other suggestions of how to explain it but <laughs> <laughs> no that makes I'm... that makes sense to me I think um no I like it um also wait can I ask how uh was there was this sort of like 
um, did this whole idea for a series start as like a, a conversation just between friends or was it like, Oh, like this obviously needs to happen or how did this kind of come about? I, for me, I, um, felt like it needed to happen, but it wasn't on, you know, the, the highest part of my list of whatever I was doing back in March. Yeah. Um, though it was a really important thing that I, you know, that I totally support. And I got an email like at 10 PM one night, um, and there's this woman saying, you know, I want to start this concert series mm-hmm. of, you know, black composers and all of this. And I lit, I literally looked and I was like, is this spam? <laughs> <laughs> like, is this Google? Is Google trolling me? Um, this is not fair if it is, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And this woman is a, like a, a creative event strategist and oh, all okay. this. So I'm like, well, okay. And I email her back. And we talk on the phone, and it was like immediately we became friends, and we knew that it was going to actually yeah. come to fruition. So it's great to not work with a musician, yeah, um, because like <laughs> other people tend to be so much more organized, yeah, <laughs> and have a no, different way of looking at event planning and yes. events than we do because we spend most of our time like we're like just very providing in the music it. for yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So like you know all the publicity and all of that is her. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. So well, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I also wanted to ask you about any other like upcoming projects or concerts that you have uh, that you're excited about. <sighs> yes, Zafa. Zafa, hey. that's right. Yeah, I didn't even mention. We play in Zafa Collective together. I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> so since you're, you're you're so good at saying things, um, <laughs> yeah, the Fringe, uh, the production from, is it the 14th or the 19th that's in our own Halstead? Yeah, or it's the 16th through 16th, the 19th. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. I love playing obviously with Zafa, but also with singers and the subject um, matter is so important. Um, talking about identity and uh, trans um, kind of coming to truth. I yeah. think everyone's coming to truth in yeah. so many different ways in the world right now. This and is so Yeah, this is like just to uh, fill out the um, just what we're talking about a little more. <laughs> it's uh, basically this is a, a like a chamber opera member basically like sort of the quartet that that lives within Zafa Collective is you know the music we're the musicians for it and it's a an opera that's it's just two people right it's mm-hmm. it's basically um uh somebody playing the the role of now I can't remember the main character's name because I'm an idiot um but it's basically somebody pa- playing the main character uh before transitioning and then playing you know after she becomes a trans woman and um so yes trans issues um I'm sorry go ahead with what you're saying that's <laughs> it that's all I'm saying yeah is, uh, I'm really excited to embark on that uh journey for so many reasons so yeah yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's definitely gonna be interesting I'm, I'm especially since I think um we were talking we were talking a little bit about it and there's I know we're gonna be sort of like physically involved and have some like speaking parts as well I think as part of like the drama that's going on so I don't we'll, we're gonna see how that plays <laughs> come see it I hope I don't screw up um, <laughs> um anything else you have coming up that you want people to know about um 
I think the most exciting uh, thing that I can't actually talk about because um, I don't know all the details was that <laughs> I was invited by a composer um, who's working on a piece um, to write text to it. The Whoa. piece is being written, and so we're actually going to collaborate, and I am going to not only write the text but perform the text um, with you know whatever the orchestra or setup is so I've never done that before I've been doing a lot more writing so I felt really I'm really excited and honored to you know that a composer would ask me to write anything wow, that's <laughs> um, super exciting so yeah that's oh my happening goodness. in December more, all right um, yeah I'm well finding more yeah, I, yeah 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 just you know put out on Facebook like what's what's going on yeah. like as it unfolds because that sounds really cool um well great thank you so much taking the, the time to do this and uh and sitting down with me and talking about your life and that was great and awesome